Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. in the middle of a series right now called The Throwdown in Torah. It's week five. We're walking through the story of Jacob, and Jacob is a fascinating individual in the Bible because he's an individual who has no issue, it seems, wrestling with God. And I love the idea of what it means to wrestle with God for us as, as Christians, as individuals and in society, and just the moments that we go through in life where life does not always make sense. And, and our relationship with God and with others always doesn't make perfect sense. And there is this conflict and this wrestling that we kind of go through. And so we spent the first four weeks of, uh, of our journey with Jacob talking about different parts of the story. We're going through it chronologically, looking at different characters. And so week one was kind of talking about his father, Isaac, and how even though he seems to be just a supplementary character in the story of Jacob, God uses him in a really important way. And then in week two, we talked about the birthright being taken and, and the person of Esau and how we sometimes trade our our blessings and our birthrights for bowls and different things that we value over the things of God and the promises of God. And then in week three, we talked about uh, Rebecca and what we do when our destiny is given to us and how far are we willing to go and what are we willing to compromise along the way and how God actually is ultimately in control and our destiny is given to us for more than we could ever imagine. We just need to put our trust directly in him. And then last week, we see Jacob and Jacob is on the run. He's, he's broken up his family, he seems to have ruined the promise for his, his people, and yet God meets him where he's at. It says it meets him in an unexpected place. And in this unexpected place, Jacob is not reminded of his mistakes or the problems that he's caused or the myriad of issues in his life. He's reminded of the promise of God for his life and the fact that he is loved. And that is the story of God. And so that's where we're going to be picking up this week. Jacob has just kind of woken up from his dream. And we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 28. You can follow along, big screen in the sky, starting in verse 16. And it says this, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. Have, have you... Is that your normal response? That when you're afraid, you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> I don't know if that's always how it works. But this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this morning and all that you provide to us. I pray that this word and the time that we get to spend in it just reveals something about your heart for us, what it means to discover purpose and to, to see you in our story how love transforms us and where it leads us in our everyday lives. We're so grateful for all that you do. Thank you for summer. Thank you for sunshine. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, are, there, are there moments in your lives when you would say you might just not be yourself? Uh, maybe there's a lot going on. You're a little stressed out. Maybe you're just a little burnt out because you've been going hard for a long time and you just don't feel like yourself on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe you just didn't get enough sleep. Or maybe, maybe the one that I find to be the most common and the one that maybe is most common within our community, maybe you just missed a meal. 
and we find out that you just aren't quite yourself when you don't have food in your belly, aka you are hangry, and everyone around you kind of knows it, and maybe you just don't recognize it. I don't know how many times after church and we're done where ever, we've had a great Sunday, we've had a lot of good moments together, we've celebrated, we've done hands in, we've cheered, and then there's like certain individuals, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> they get a little quieter like they're, they're just a bubbly individual and they just love church and they love Jesus and they love people but they end up hating church and hating Jesus it seems and hating people the minute that they don't have any food in their belly and there is a little bit of hanger that comes on and maybe it's hanger for Fernando's maybe it's hanger for I'm not naming names okay <laughs> But we have like, it's these funny moments where we don't act like we normally do despite our best intentions. And, and that, that's a, maybe a, a funny and quirky way to think about it. But in reality, there are moments in our lives where we don't act the way that we want to act and we don't know why. We, we can't really identify it. Maybe it takes a period of time, but, but in that moment specifically, you're just asking yourself, what is going on? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I talking this way? Why am I acting this way? What is leading me to treat people this way? And we have this question go on and on and on in our minds. Where we're just not acting the way that we think we should normally act. And, and when it comes to the idea of being hangry, really the, the thing that we're missing in that moment is we're missing the food that we need to nourish us. We're, we're, we've got our, our source is lacking. Our, our source is out of line. And, and I think if we're going to move forward in our day-to-day -day where we're actually looking to treat people well, to pursue purpose, to discover where we fit in this world and how we can best be the versions that God has created us to be. We don't just simply need to find our purpose. We need to find the source that directs our purpose. I think often we, we skip a step. And we say, I want purpose in life. Give me something to do that's going to be meaningful. But I, I, I'm sorry to tell you that I can give you a lot of meaningful things to do. But if the source of your life is not sustaining you, the purpose definitely won't. Your purpose is from your source. And the story of Jacob is so representative of a man who lacks a source that is sustaining that is wonderful, that is beautiful, and then he finds the source, and then his life begins to shift. And in all the story of Jacob, we, we know the story of Mr. Harry Arms and the birthright and the bowls, and we, we know we're going to read the passage of uh, seven years of trying to pursue his wife, and then having to seven years pursue her again, and and we know these dramatic stories, but in the middle of this story is this moment at Bethel. Where God has, has shifted his mindset. And he's had these thoughts about along the way I've ruined my family. I'm on the run. What am I going to do next? And God doesn't confront him with his weakness. And doesn't confront, confront him as if he's done something wrong. But confronts him with a promise. And then he wakes up. And the first thing that he says is that I am 
afraid. How awesome is this place? And it, and it seems contradictory all over the place. Now, in, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, we talk about the fear of the Lord a lot and the fear of God a lot. And I think we've misconstrued it as to what it is trying to actually teach us and what is it actually trying to say. Because this, this statement where it says the fear of the Lord and how awesome in this place, when we go to the original language and we look at it in the Hebrew, it's this word named, called yare. And that's, that's what it is for the fear of the Lord. How, he was afraid. It uses that word. But then just a couple moments later when it says how awesome is this place, it uses the same word. As if to say that, that, that God isn't wanting us to be fearful of him. He's, he's not saying that you need to be afraid of me in order to, to be with me. But we have to remember where Jacob's coming from. He, he, he's ruined everything. God's reminded him of the promise. And then he wakes up in fear of it in his heart and he just thinks how awesome is this place. Because suddenly in his life, for maybe the first time, he's seeing God with a sense of awe and a sense of wonder. Because that's what it means to fear the Lord. To have this sense of awe and wonder as if I could not have even imagined that a God of the universe could love me in the midst of all of my mistakes. And the minute he's reminded that he has a purpose, that he has a promise, that he is loved, his first response is this awe and wonder, Yare. We need to have that awe and wonder in our life. In Proverbs 9 verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and I would like to, I'd like to think that the fear of the Lord is not, I need to be afraid in order to actually figure it out. But if it's about awe and wonder, I think it's about a, a position that we need to take. A, a, a position of of listening instead of speaking. There's this story of, of Solomon and, and two women who come to see him and they both are trying to vie for the ownership or, or to be the mother of this baby and they're both saying, it's mine and, and Solomon listens to them and then he gives this incredible prompt and, and he says that if, if, why don't we just cut the baby in half and you can each take half and the real mother, she says, you know what, let's let the baby live and she can take her and while the, the mother who was lying in that moment says, yeah, let's do it. And, and when I hear this story, I'm kind of infatuated by his response. I'm like, oh, I wish I thought of that. That's a, that's a good response. But where's the wisdom in this situation? I think the wisdom is in the first thing he does. It's when he listens. He hears the stories of the two women before he responds. Because you notice that in our lives, we have a tough time listening when we feel like we have the right answer already? The fear of the Lord, awe and wonder, is the beginning of wisdom, which is to listen first because you do not always have the right answer. And that is okay. That is not the expectation on your life, that you would always get it right, 
that you would know the perfect thing to say in every moment. But the invitation that you're given by a loving and gracious God is why won't you just listen? Why wouldn't you just trust me in this moment? Why wouldn't you just sit in awe and wonder and know that perhaps I have the very thing that you need? Listen carefully. So this moment at Bethel is this climactic moment in the life of Jacob. When I read the story as a whole, it, I think it's the moment where everything seems to shift. And, and it doesn't seem like a lot happens because he, he builds an altar and he pours some oil over and he, he leaves a memorial at the place and he continues on his journey. And it doesn't seem like a really dramatic moment, but sometimes God starts to shift our lives in the moments where we don't actually recognize it. Sometimes the greatest growth in our lives is in the moments when we least expect it. I know that we like those moments where we're like, oh, I feel stretched in this season. I feel pulled in this season. But sometimes an external stretch is not the only indicator of growth, but it's actually an internal shift. Because at this moment, at Bethel, there's been an internal shift in the heart of Jacob. And we know that happens because of what takes place in the story to come. Because Jacob, Jacob continues along his journey. And Jacob, he's, he's making his way to go see his uncle Laban, and he shows up at the spot, and he wants to find out how everyone is doing, and he sees a bunch of shepherds, and he asks, do you know my uncle? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we know him. And they're like, oh, over there is uh, his daughter, Rachel. And the Bible is so funny when it talks about this, because it says, uh, while he was still speaking to them, this is in verse 9 of chapter 29, it says, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban. There's a lot of issues with that right there, but let's continue. <laughs> and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob came near and he rolled the stone. Big strong man, making a statement. Jacob came near, rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Ain't no thing. Watered the flock of Laban. I'll take care of you, girl. His mother's brother. And then in verse 11, he's never met Rachel before. It says, then Jacob kissed Rachel and he wept aloud. That's a great pickup line. Like that, if you want to get the girl, apparently the Bible is saying, just weep out loud right after you kiss the girl of your dreams. Apparently. So Jacob is having a rough go at the moment. But apparently he's, he's completely infatuated. And, and he's... he's Love at first sight, and he sees Rachel, and, and he makes that decision, yeah, I'm going to pursue her. And he talks to Uncle Laban, and they make a little bit of a deal, and they say, if you work for me for seven years, you can, you can marry Rachel. And, and it's interesting that it goes on to say that he works for seven years, and then it was as if only a few days had passed. It was as if only a few days had passed. And the story of Jacob does not feel like only a few days have passed. <laughs> it feels like he spent his entire life trying to make it matter. To give himself some kind of meaning. And then suddenly, Bethel happens. His heart has experienced this shift. He meets a woman cries in front of her the first time he sees her, and then it's only as if a few days have passed as he works to win her heart for seven years. 
And then the wedding day comes. Seven years have passed. The wedding day arrives. He's excited. It's like all my hard work has paid off. And instead of the younger sister, Rachel, Laban puts a, pulls a little switcheroo and substitutes Leah into the situation. And this is where I think we see that Jacob has changed. Because his entire life, it feels as if Jacob has grumbled and complained and felt like he was given the short end of the stick. He's been unjustly treated. It's not his fault that he was the second born child. It's not his fault that he was given the prophecy from God, the promise from God that he would rule over his brother. It's not his fault that his mother was going to push him in the situation. He was just going to do it, and it wasn't his fault along the way. And it feels as if he, every time he was unjustly treated, he responded poorly. But in this moment where, if we're reading it really honestly, we would say as the reader, yeah, you worked seven years. You had an agreement in place, and now he's pulled a switcheroo on you, and you've been unjustly treated. But this time, Jacob's response is different. And he says, I will go seven years more. Something's changed in this man. Something has shifted in how he lives his life. Something has moved him to such a place that instead of actually trying to live from a source that was so all about his own selfish intents and desires and his own thoughts, that, that drove his purposes. There's something that was a different source in this moment that was changing the way he, that he was living his life. Suddenly his purpose has shifted because his source had shifted. And I think the source shifted at Bethel when he realized not that he was being held on account for his mistakes, not because he had to pay retribution for his unjust actions, but the source of his life was now just the simple fact that the promises of God were always for his life, irregardless of the things that he had done, and he was forever and unconditionally loved. And that changes everything. And it takes a long time for us to even see that anything is happening. But there's this internal shift. Seven years. It's only as if it's a few days within Jacob. But the source within him. No longer is he trying to find some kind of purpose. Some kind of significance in the world. By taking away from others. But now he's finding his significance. And his source in the fact that he's been given unconditional love. That he can give it to others. How does that change the way that he lives? How would that change the way that you and I live? That instead of trying to take away from others so that we can get ahead in the world, we started to understand that we are loved unconditionally and that was our source and we can give that to others. If our source is based upon the world around us and based upon the things that other people have, we will always find ourselves lacking. But if our source is in the unconditional, freely given gift of love through God, then that is going to be a source that sustains us all the way through. It was a revelation of love that changed Jacob's life. Jacob before Bethel is different than Jacob after Bethel. Not because the, the place was special. 
Not because he said it exactly right. Not because he got his life perfectly in place. He's still marrying his cousin. His life shifted simply because he finally realized that he didn't have to make it, he didn't have to make God love him. But he was unconditionally loved. What would happen in our lives if we had that kind of security? How would that change the way that you live? How would that change the purposes that you would pursue? Because the source of your life is going to drive your purpose, not the purpose is going to drive your source. So what's your source? Do you just know it up here or do you really know it in here? Are you truly pursuing the simple fact that God loves you unconditionally? And it seems so simple. This idea of unconditional love. But look how it changed the life of this man. This conniving, thieving, lying man had his life shifted by the simple love of God in the moment. And he becomes a man who pursues, who is honorable, and who treats others with love. And it just happened in a moment. A moment of revelation that he is unconditionally loved by God. How would that change your story? I think so often when we're in the pursuit of purpose and, and, and looking for how do we find our purpose in this world, we're often trying to derive our purpose by how we can prove others wrong. Or prove something to ourselves. But the problem with having the proof of something be our foundation is that it will never be satisfying. Are you trying to prove that somebody wrong that they shouldn't have thought less of you? Are you trying to get to a certain spot just because you got a chip on your shoulder? Are you trying to make your parent believe that they were wrong all along about you and that you actually had somewhere that you could make it in life? Are you trying to prove someone wrong or are you trying to actually pursue God? What is the drive of your life? What is the source of your life? Because often the things that we're trying to prove are are indicators of our insecurities. And our purpose is dying in our place of insecurity. And if we truly are honest with ourselves and actually assess the areas of our insecurity in our lives, it is there that we find the foundation for our fears and the things that poison our purpose. See, Jacob has been afraid his entire life. He's afraid of being left behind. He's afraid of not mattering. He's afraid of not meeting a promise. He's, not, he's afraid of not getting what he wanted all along. And he's afraid of not even making it past his brother. And his fear was the source and the foundation for his life. 
But then he meets God in the most unexpected of places. And the Bible says that he was afraid, but not afraid in how we perceive it. But he was running for his life. And it's a realization that leads him to this place of awe and wonder. And a realization that he is desperately loved and he's desperately seen. A realization that God wasn't done with him. A realization that though he had run away and made wrong decisions, God was still pursuing him. A realization that there was still hope in his story despite everything that had taken place. A realization that though he had run away, God was still for him. Not because he deserved it. Not because he earned it. Not even because he asked for it, but simply because... God came for him with a promise to remind him that you are still loved. And I think that is a statement for all of us today. Perhaps you're here this morning and the only thing that you need to hear is that you are still loved. Maybe you've experienced heartbreak in a relationship that has made you believe that you can never be loved again. You are still loved. Maybe you felt rejected by a, fam- uh, by a family member or a community that has made you believe that you are never going to be accepted for who you are. You are still loved. Maybe you feel as if your life has no purpose, that you don't have the job that you thought you'd get into, the profession that you thought you'd end up desiring along the way. You are still loved. And this is a love that is not cheap. It is a love that is not conditional. It is a love that isn't phony. It is a love that finds you and it covers you and it sustains you. This is a love that changes you. A guy named Paul in the New Testament, he writes, he writes in a letter that he says, writes later in the Bible saying that where I've been and, and what I've done along the way they don't compare, but God, he still met me on the road to Damascus and he, he forgave me of my sins and he, he washed me clean and, and he met me where I was at because the story of God isn't just to meet Jacob where he's at. It's not just to meet Paul where he's at, but it's to meet where you, where you're at. And I love the fact that he doesn't give a destination. He doesn't give a specific context or circumstance. He doesn't say, I'm going to meet you at church on a Sunday morning. He doesn't say, I'm going to meet you when you're just talking to me uh, when you pray once a week on a Friday night. He's not saying that I'm going to just meet you when you play that worship song that always gives you the tingles. He says, I'm going to meet you right where you, at, where you are at right now. Because that's love. That's, that's what love is, that you don't need to have it be exactly right for it to still exist. And that's the love of God for you. What would happen if we started to live in that revelation? What kind of joy would come into your spirit? How would that shift the way that you live your life? What would that do to your purpose? If you knew that you were unconditionally loved and you had this revelation on your life, I have a hard time believing that you'd be able to keep quiet about it. That you'd be able to keep it to yourself. It'd almost feel like too much. That I can't keep that to myself. I gotta tell somebody about it. I gotta give somebody more of it. I gotta lean into it. It's changed my life. I wanted to change someone else's.
It's the source that leads us to our purpose. And this morning, what would happen if we just sat at that source? And we ask God, would you reveal that love to me in a way like I've never known it before? So simple, but yet so powerful because it is a love unlike anything in this world. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We don't do this every week, but right now I just feel so heavily on my heart that God is speaking to individuals in this room and just saying that simple statement that you are still loved. That there's nothing that you could have ever done that would separate you from my love. And it doesn't make sense and you don't know how. But right now you feel this pull upon your very heart. That this is a love that you want and you desire in your life. And this is a love that can only be found in the person of Jesus. That he came with no condition to show us love that was unconditional. And he came not for out of obligation, but out of a place of relationship, out of a place of connection. That he wants so desperately to be in relationship with you. Wherever you are at, he is meeting you in this moment. Perhaps you've grown up in a Christian home. Perhaps you've never walked into a church before. Perhaps you're not even sure about where you sit in your faith. But right here, right now, there is an opportunity to find that love all over again. To have a revelation of that love. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If this is a love that you want to pursue, if this is a love that you want in your life, could you just do me a favor? Could you just raise your hand so I can just pray for you? Just for this love that is uncontainable to be upon your life. Amazing. And if you're here this morning, and you feel like you perhaps you've done everything right along the way, Perhaps you've experienced this love and life has shifted and, and you've started to ch change the way you do things. But in some ways, it feels like you've made no progress. You don't need to see this external shift to know that there's an internal one taking place. And perhaps God is just encouraging you this morning, continue what you're doing. Continue to pursue me. And trust me, when the time is right, you're going to see incredible things happen. That I'm in your corner. So Father, for every person in this room, we pray a blessing. Thank you that your love is so freely given and shown to every single one of us. I pray right now that your love would be the thing that is our source. That, that source leads us to our purpose. And that purpose is one that so reflects your heart for this world. 
let your love be our guide. Love freely given that we say yes to this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for every person that's here. Thank you that our story is not isolated to four walls on a Sunday morning, but our journey with you, our journey of faith, is one that continues on into every single day. We give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or, if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.